Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Well, it's good to be in church. I love the house of God. I love the God of the house and I love the family in the house. How awesome is that, hey? Father, speak to us through your word today. Thank you for your amazing love. You're already just drawing us close to you. I thank you, Lord. You're in this place calling us to follow you with all of our hearts. You're calling us to arise and live in the overflow. And I pray, Holy Spirit, right now you'll continue to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats. God is so, so good. He's an awesome, awesome God. I want to talk for a few minutes today about being called by God. God calls each one of us to follow after Him. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Not ours, but His. Called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. God has called you into his family. He's called you with a purpose to live a blessed life. Some of you remember the the days back at school when they were picking the teams to play volleyball or soccer or cricket or netball. And everyone lined up and they picked two captains and they just started picking people. How awesome that if you're the first one picked because they think you're the best sports person or you're the, the, the friendliest. How terrible when you're the last two and no one wants you. Oh, yeah, we'll take you, I suppose, you know. I remember that happening at our school, not about yours. And it's so, so discouraging and demoralizing when it's like no one wants to call you or pick you on their team. Or they don't know you very well or they don't think you can play the sport or you can contribute. How terrible is that? What a feeling of um, worthlessness or your identity's affected. You think, I'm not good enough. I thank God that he has reached out his hand from heaven and he says, I pick you. I pick you. I've called you. You're on my team from this day on. You're not left out in the cold. You're not rejected. You're not worthless. But I've picked you because I see the treasure and value that you are as a person and I see the treasure and value that you're going to be on the team. How awesome is that? Today I want to talk about God's called us. He's called us not only to be on his team, but he's called you and I to live lives of purpose. That's what we just read. He said he's called us according to his purpose. And one of the greatest joys in life is finding your place or seasons of calling. When you find what God's shaped you for, whether it's singing, whether it's caring, whether it's parenting, whether it's being a doctor or a nurse, whether it's administration or whatever it is, when you find your place of fruitful purpose, there's nothing more fulfilling in life. And how frustrating when you're not in that place or you're ill or you're too busy and you can't function in your gift or calling, it is the most frustrating thing of life. And in a crowd like this today, there'll be a percentage of you that are just flourishing and saying how awesome it is to just do what God's called us to do. Others will be in a season of change, knowing where the next step is, but it's a process of change. Others will be saying, I'm so frustrated, I just don't know where I fit. I just don't know. And and 
the enemy will try and stop you. But God has chosen you. He's picked you for his purpose. That's why I was so blessed during the worship here, just to see the team worshiping and leading, playing. And, and then Mary Lynn comes up and just starts singing prophetically over the congregation. I said, that's your purpose. You haven't done that for three months because you've been recovering from it. But I said, that's what, when you get in the f- flow, there's an, a great anointing that happens. And it happens for all of us in whatever career, role, function, And there are seasons where it might change or God adds to because of the journey of life. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Didn't say follow me and just tag along at the back of the crowd and hopefully some good things happen on the journey. No, follow me. In other words, get close enough. Follow closely so I can continue to make and mold you to be a very fruitful, effective person and touch lots of people on the journey. There's a personal invitation of Jesus to follow him. Not just a general impersonal call to the crowd. Jesus didn't have a crowd. They're saying, okay, those who want to tag along, you're welcome to. He picked them out and says, Peter, John, Andrew, Matthew, follow me and I'll make your life something more powerful than you could ever have dreamed of. And some of us have served Jesus for years now and we say, that is so true. Others of you might be on the beginning of that journey. Some of you have been, the enemy's tried to distract you or rob and steal your sense of focus and identity. But I want to tell you, it's the most fulfilling thing as you grow in your purpose. God called out to Samuel when he was a boy, remember? He thought it was Eli the priest. Samuel's lying down to sleep and he says, Samuel, Samuel. So he goes running into Eli. Three times it happened. Eli said, it wasn't me. Go back to sleep. By the third time, Eli was an old priest, but he was getting a little bit uh, dull in his spiritual perceptive. He said, I think it's God calling. So next time you hear that, say, yes, Lord, I'm listening. Wow. Took him the fourth time before he got it. And then Samuel learned to hear the calling voice of God, and he became one of the greatest prophets throughout history. Why? Because he learned to hear the call of God and he started to function and flourish in what he was called to do. All of us have things that God has shaped us for. And there's, uh, I've discovered a person who knows they are called to a certain role or ministry or career or skill. When they know that and they focus on it, they live a much more fulfilled, joyful, happy life. It really is. And that's what God does for you. You'll have more focus, you'll have more endurance, you'll have joy and fruitfulness, much more than those who are just drifting through life without a clear purpose, or others trying to fulfill someone else's purpose that's been put on them. That's frustrating, isn't it? When, well, you should be this, but you're not wired up for it, or it's not the right season. Maybe your original purpose has been lost or stolen because of our sin or, other, or circumstance or stuff that's happened. But God can restore it or give you a new purpose in this new season. And I just felt God say, stir our hearts up that we are all called. We have purpose. And sometimes we need to just rediscover that or remind ourselves or flourish in what God's called us to do. And I've learned in my life that the more I function in what God's called me to do and wired me up to do and anointed me to do, there's great joy and freedom. There's energy. There's just an overflow in my life. There's something happens that takes you to places and gives you endurance and patience and grace and energy that you don't have when you're sort of doing something you don't really like. 
if you hate cleaning the house or guys hate mowing and the family says it's got to, it's mowing day on Saturday, you just as close as Saturday gets, you're dreading it because you want to go fishing or you want to do something else. But if you love mowing, you can't wait for Saturday. Thinking, oh, I can't wait to get out and get this yard looking great. Some ladies love cooking. Others, it's a chore to feed the family. Otherwise, they'll be stoned in the house, you know. But if you, if you love doing something, you can't wait to have the opportunity to do it. You're trying to shift things to get there. If you don't like doing something, it is hard work and you lose your joy and energy and you're just all of a sudden really tired just at the thought of it. I don't like shopping, so I, get, I, I start yawning within 10 minutes of walking into a shop if I don't want to be there. And I'm not trying to be boring or tired, but it, I've got no focus or passion for it, so I started yawning whether it's 9 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock at night. And I think, this is crazy. It happen, doesn't happen nearly every time. It, it's an involuntary response because my heart's not in shopping. Other ladies love shopping, and some men I've met love shopping, and you, you get energized. Five hours later, we're all staggering around trying to find a seat, and you're just still going for it. Because you love doing that. I got a phone call last week, and a pastor in Rockhampton said, can you come and speak to the regional pastors um, and, and share and encourage and inspire them? I said, yes. Then I realized it was a four-and-a-half-hour drive each way, and I'd be preaching for about two hours. I did that yesterday. So I left at 5 o'clock. I got back at 6.30 last night. But I had the most amazing day driving up, nine hours driving, preaching for a couple of hours, praying for all these people. And it was just an amazing day. The prophetic word flowed and we, so many people were touched and transformed. I was in my sweet spot. Even That gave me energy and everyone else thought, you're crazy. You're crazy. But I'm more energized than ever because I was doing what God's wired me up to do. So what God's wired you up to do, some people are parents and you love it. Others, it's hard work because you think, wow, who's this? <laughs> God calls us. There are seasons in our life. Number one, he calls us to relationship with him. It's about relationship, not doing. It's not task. It's relationship. And out of that flows the effort, the work. Matthew 9 9 says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the disciples saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy you need, who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus found us when we were sinners and called us to follow him. And then he calls us to keep doing that. So number one, we're called into relationship with Jesus. How awesome is that? I just love singing and lifting up his name and, and reminding us. So number two, we are called from darkness to light. Hallelujah. From darkness to light. And when you're a Christian for a few years, you can forget just how dark it is outside of Jesus. That's why I love hanging around those who are not yet Christians. Because you start to realize the brokenness, the lack of hope, the, the, they chase after dreams and then it falls to nothing. You see, wow, that's so dark and empty. And you forget that we used to do the same before we knew Jesus. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people. Remember, he's picked you on his team. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Wow. If you're feeling having a bad day, just read this verse and remind yourself how God sees you. Chosen and his special possession. 
that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He's called us out of darkness into light. How awesome is that? That he found us. Because he paid the price on the cross and he hung on that cross in darkness. He looked out and then he said, I'm going to bring light to all those people in the generation come that are in darkness. How awesome is that? That God's called you out of darkness into light. Following Jesus has its tough days. But don't ever forget, the worst day as a Christian is still much better than the best day you ever had outside of Jesus Christ. You've got to remind yourself of that. Because darkness and hopelessness is a terrible way to live. God never designed us for that. And we are called to live in the light and grow in that freedom. Call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. God wants us to call on Him often, but we need to remind you that God has already called you every day. When we wake up, he's calling you to come and fellowship with him. The sun arising, I think, is a call to worship. He's calling us. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Awaken my heart. So many, God awakens our heart to love him, even in the midst of our busy responsibilities. Hebrews 9.15 says, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. God has called us so we live in His inheritance. Thirdly, we are called to live a worthy life. So we're called to relationship. We're called out of darkness to light. And now we are called to live a worthy life. Not just to be a Christian, but to live out this worthy life that God's called us to live. 2 Timothy 1.9, He has saved us and called us to a holy or worthy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. I was stirred again that we need to remind ourselves that it's grace that saves us. It's grace that strengthens us. It's grace that empowers you and I to stand every day in the midst of pressure and needs. It's God's grace that will cover your weaknesses. It's God's grace that will help you to love and forgive those who are not treating you right. It is grace that saves us and grace that empowers us to live this Christian life every day. In our own strength, we will fall short all the time. But God's grace is sufficient for me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We need to be reminded that it's God's grace that will keep us moving through this life with purpose and fulfillment. 2 Thessalonians 1.11 says, With this in mind... We constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling. Wow. And that by His power, He may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. That's the prayer Apostle Paul was praying for the believers in Thessalonica. And, and he was praying for God's blessing over their lives. But listen to this one, what he wrote to the Ephesians. I love this. Ephesians 4.1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Wow, that's a great challenge. If God's called you to be a leader, let's do it the best we can and keep growing in His strength and anointing and power. If God's given you kids to parent, let's do the best we can. A wise old man said to me when, when we first had kids, he says, do your best and trust God with the rest. Takes a whole lot of stress out of life, doesn't it? Don't be slack. Be diligent. Do, love, give 
grow, study, do whatever we can in every area of life. Do your best and trust God with the rest. Because if you're following his purpose, let me tell you, it'll be much better than what the best you can do with all of your education and strength and skills. God will help us. So it says, live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. That sounds like some people I know in this church. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Wow, wow, wow. When you feel like you're at the back of the pack, left on the sidelines, you've got to remember that God has apportioned sufficient grace for you to live a fulfilled, overflowing life. We've just got to take time to connect with that. For your connection to it, when I worship, that's when I connect to God's grace. I just feel it. I just It overflows. Some people it's through prayer. Some through it's uh, through the Word. Some people it's through actually working like... Uh, Keith said, by serving, he found a place where he just grew and flourished. Sometimes it's the actual using of what God's given you in caring and, and loving others. That's when you start to find the grace overflowing your life. So I want to encourage you that it's grace that will help get us there. The Amplified in verse 7 says, Yet grace, God's undeserved favor, was given to each one of us, not indiscriminately, but in different ways, in proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and abundant gift. Wow, so God will give you grace to fit your personality, your responsibilities, your ministry, your calling, your career, whatever it is, your needs. It says Christ will give us the proportion, the right amount that we need. And sometimes we forget to receive it. Like Pastor Abram spoke last week about um, what did, he, he came and said, Solomon, what do you want? And Solomon says, I want an understanding heart. I want wisdom. And Elisha, with Elijah, what do you want? I want a double portion of your anointing. So we need wisdom to get our heads straight and think right. And we need anointing that it motivates and fills and overflows our spirit and our soul. And so every day this week, I've been praying, Lord, give me wisdom and fill me and overflow me with your anointing and your spirit and power. And I do that little thing. First thing in the morning, I put my hand on my head. God spoke to me last week. He said, just do that every day as a reminder. Lord, give me wisdom and understanding heart. Let me think your thoughts. And give me a full heart of anointing and grace in my soul and spirit. And it's just reminds me every day that that's what God's called us to do. The message version is awesome. In light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road called God called you to travel. Wow. So no dawdling along. God says, run. Run on that road. I don't want any of you sitting around in your hands. I don't want anyone stand, strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in, the, in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together both outwardly and inwardly. That's awesome, isn't it? God calls us a church family. Let's do it together, outwardly and inwardly. A family, a, a, a life group, a team. 
We do it together. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who rules over all, works through all and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Wow, isn't God so good? He's called us to live a life worthy. And sometimes we feel unworthy. That's where we need the grace and the blood of Jesus. Sometimes the enemy attacks our identity. That's when you need to kick that out. Condemnation will attack your identity. Conviction will deal with something that's wrong that you need to bring to Jesus Christ. When you're feeling condemned and it's attacking your identity, you know it's not from God. This is the enemy trying to steal your identity and your calling in life. And we're going to say, no, I am a son of God, I'm called. So we have a call to have the unity of the Spirit through peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, Colossians 3.15. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. How awesome to be an encourager and a peacemaker. I was a peacekeeper for years and God says, stop being a peacekeeper, be a peacemaker. A peacekeeper will keep the peace because they just don't want to deal with any issues and they'll bury it, deny it, just appease everyone, but nothing gets sorted out. A peacemaker will ask God for wisdom, will have the courage to ask the questions, will have the courage to say, let's deal with these issues and let's work through some forgiveness and let's work some ways that we can reconcile and move forward. Peacemakers is what Jesus is, not peacekeepers. And I had to learn that journey by God's grace. Also, it says we are called to one hope. Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. So a hope is a calling of God. It's not an optional extra saying, oh, I'm not a really hope-filled person. I'm just, I just always struggle with negativity and fear. The Bible says you are called to live a life of hope. And as you let hope fill your heart, it will address the fears. It will address the negativity because hope will always be looking for a solution, not just a problem. And it's a choice. Some of us, we just so focus on the needs and the problems. God says hope will help you address the problems, but he'll always be looking for solutions. And that's what God's called us to. And lastly, it says you are called to do good works, to serve him. That's why Ephesians 2.10, it says that you are being saved by grace, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Wow. So being a Christian is not sitting around just worshiping 24-7 saying, wow, it's awesome to be in church. It's doing good works. It's loving your family. It's showing love and grace to your spouse. It's touching our community. It's lifting up the name of Jesus. It's praying for the sick. It's fulfilling what God's called you to do. Good works that he's already prepared in advance. Wow, he's the master planner. He's got things for us to do. You say, well, I'm only a new Christian, so I don't know what to do. God's got things you can always encourage someone else. You say, I mean, I'm, I'm too old now. I haven't got enough energy. God said, there's things you can do. You can still get on the phone and you can, you can write things and you can get beside someone. You can pray like never before. Don't ever let the excuse say, well, I'm just not good enough. I don't know what to do. God says, I've already prepared them. Just plug in and say, Lord, what's my mission at this season of my life? What's my purpose? at this time of our heart and our life. Galatians 5, 13, you are my brothers and sisters, we're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. Our purpose and identity is truly found in him. Dream God's dreams and vision for you in his kingdom. Prepare, study, grow, have a 
A go in your area of desire, passion and gifting. Face your fears and insecurities. Be mentored and follow good leaders. Serve in the church and learn how to function well on a team. Grow in godly character in your family and relationships. Disciple and train others. Share what you have learnt. I read this amazing verse, Jeremiah 32, 18 and 19. There's some amazing verses in the prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah. Listen to this. Great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord Almighty, great are your purpose and mighty are your deeds. Your eyes are open to the ways of all mankind. You reward each person according to their conduct and as their deeds deserve. It says, great are your purpose and mighty are your deeds deeds. God's called us. He's picked us for His team. Maybe you're here today and saying, well, I'm not sure if I'm really on God's team. I believe in God. Maybe you've never really asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. It's really important you get on the team. And He'll give you a purpose for your life that maybe you've sort of half discovered. I remember when I was about 17, just before I became a Christian, I was brought up in a Christian home. I remember one day I walked up in the paddock on the farm it was a moonlit night, and I remember just sitting on a log saying, God, what's my life about? What's your purpose for me? And I sat there for a while, and I didn't get any great revelation, but I knew that God was saying, you need to just surrender your heart to me, and I will show you. I'll take you on a journey that you'll, you'll be amazed at. And I was just a shy teenager. So a few months later, I opened my heart to Jesus and made a commitment to Christ at a youth rally. A few months later, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I didn't set out to be a pastor. I just loved God and loved people. That's how most people end up in areas of ministry or service. I just loved God and loved people. And I was there to mow the lawn at the church. I was on the uh, greeting people at the door. And I, I just did every, anything and everything because I wanted to find out what was my gifts and strengths. And over a period of time, I ended up worship leading. And someone heard I could sing because they couldn't ignore my voice. Not that it was good. It was just loud. It was just loud. It wasn't good. It was just loud. <laughs> By the time I was 25, I was in full-time youth pastoring because the youth group grew so much. They said, you can't work a full-time job as a bank and in the youth. So that's, that's how I ended up in full-time ministry when I was 25 years old. It wasn't I set out to be a pastor. It was just a development. And often God will take you step by step. And sometimes there are points of decision or change where you've got to say, Lord, I'm available does this mean there's a change of direction? Be faithful, do it, whatever God's called you. And I, there have been moments in my life where God has, there have been intersections where I've had to choose. Do I continue to do this or do I make a change? And God in His grace will bring the right people around your life. But I feel today God's calling some people to connect with His family that maybe you never have. There are other people here, and you're very fruitful doing what you're called to do. Just go for it with all your heart. This is just a stirring up saying, hey, you're called. Just remember your identity. Do it with all of your heart. If you're going to do it, do it like Caleb. He served the Lord wholeheartedly, not just when he felt like it. Maybe you're in a transition time saying, wow, there's some shifts happening, and I thought this is what I'd be doing for the next 10 years, but it's not working out that way. Maybe God in His grace is saying, hey, Lift your eyes and see what else might be coming your way. It might be a calling to serve in some area of ministry more fully. It may be adjusting a career. It may be a season of relationships that are changing. And inside you've got some dreams about caring for this part of the community, but you've never had an opportunity, but now it might be the season. God just works it because He calls us 
on his team. He calls you to follow him. Then he calls us with great purpose. I just feel his spirit in this house today, just calling us. Let's stand in his presence. I just feel that Jesus is standing in front of each one of us saying, hey, I want to remind you what I've created you for. There's some here, and you've felt a stirring and a drawing today. It's like God saying, hey, I want you to know that you're in the family. I want you to know that your sins are forgiven. Not just hoping, not just like your family or friends have talked about. And you watch people here just singing and praising. They say, wow, I'd love to be able to sing those songs with all of my heart. Because when you know the author of the book, things are different. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. 